morning, Christ First. My name is Joost. I'm from the Netherlands and I'm studying at London School of Theology, studying theology there. Last year I did a placement at Christ First Church um, and now I'm back for the second year of theology and I'm really glad to be back with you in this church as well. So thank you for having me. Now, we are in a series called One True God. And today I'm speaking on the topic of God is faithful and patient. Last time we spoke, we were in a series of Exodus and I'm aware that we're in a new series now, but we're still going to go to Exodus for a bit. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 34. Moses has just asked God to show him his glory and God complies. He will do so. And he says he will pass before Moses and proclaim the name of the Lord. So in Exodus chapter 34, Moses goes up Mount Sinai and from verse 5, we read this. Let's see if my yeah, clicker is working as well. Good. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. In these series over the past few weeks, we have looked at various characteristics of God. Here, Moses is encountering God in a much more profound and radical way. And yet we can learn something from his response. What Moses does is he bows to the ground and worships. So as we come to know even a little bit more of who God is, it's good to humble ourselves and worship him in response. Like I said, this week we will look specifically at God's faithfulness and patience. Let's start with the first one. When Moses went up the mountain to meet with God, he brought with him two stone tablets, a new set of stone tablets, because the first set of tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them had been smashed to pieces just a little earlier. Moses had done that because the people of Israel had turned to idolatry and started worshipping a golden calf, even as God was, written, was writing down the Ten Commandments with his own writing. Not exactly a good start to their covenant commitment with God. But God is faithful to his servant Moses. He invites him to come back up the mountain, gives him the Ten Commandments again, and starts a covenantal relationship with the people of Israel. This we see in the Old Testament throughout. God entering into personal contact and relationships, covenant relationships with people and especially with the people of Israel. The promises that come with these covenants are great promises of blessing, of peace and prosperity. And God is faithful to his promises 
in delivering them from evil. But at the same time, it becomes quite clear that the people are not faithful. Soon after the Israelites arrived in the Promised Land, they forget about the God who brought them there and they turn to other gods. And later on when they have kings, all the kings who come after King David, with a few exceptions, turn away from God and lead the people into worshipping foreign and fake idols. God sends prophets to the people of Israel to call them out on their sin and to plead with them to come back to Him. But it is a vicious cycle. The people persist in showing God their backs and worship other gods. And in the end, God is faithful to His word of warning as well. And there is judgment upon the people. This is a pattern that we see throughout the Old Testament. The people turn away from God. Things go sour. The people cry out to God and God is faithful to deliver them. And after a while, they forget about Him again and turn to other gods. And this is not just something that happens with the people of Israel. It's more or less the same with us. We, too, tend to forget about God quickly and drift away into worshipping other things. But God is abounding in faithfulness and steadfast love. And the culmination of this, of course, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was falsely accused, innocent and himself sinless, is hung on a cross to die, a very painful and gruesome death. This is the faithfulness of God put on terrible and glorious display. And this is the good news that we receive. We celebrate it on Sunday mornings like we do today, and rightly so, because there is a new covenant between God and people. And this time it's not just between God and the people of Israel. The cross shines to all the nations, including us. And so this is good news to us all, and God wants us to be His children. Just let me repeat that, because it is amazing. God wants us to be his children, all of us. And there's a promise that when we become his children and we live with him in a life of faith, that we will live with him forever. And we've seen how faithful God has been all throughout history, so we can be confident that this too will be true and fulfilled. However, it is important to see that God is faithful in all He says, so also in His word of judgment. So just to recapulate, recapitulate, God is faithful, faithful to the death, a death on the cross, 
and this is good news. Now let's go to the New Testament. We will go to 2 Timothy. This is a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul to his younger friend and child in the faith, Timothy. Paul is writing nearing the end of his life and he has persevered through tremendous persecution and opposition and trials. And in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, from verse 11, he quotes a saying about Jesus Christ. Here it is. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is something we need to realize about God's faithfulness. As we read in these verses, we can be assured that if we persevere, if we have lived and died with him, we will live with him again. And at the same time, it is quite clear, if we deny him, he also will deny us. That sounds a bit harsh almost. But make no mistake, God is not doing this to retaliate. That's, that's what people do, repay evil with evil. You've done something to me, I will do something to you. This is God. And God is faithful. Which means that he is always faithful. Faithful is who he is. It's not like human beings who are faithful to some extent or are faithful in a lot of things and we say, oh, that's a very faithful person. God is faithful. And if there's ever been a question in your mind, are there things that God cannot do? Here is one. He cannot deny himself. God is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, ready to forgive sin, transgression, iniquities. But if we persist in turning from him and deny him, God cannot just simply breeze over that. If we are faithless, God remains faithful. But there's something else in these verses. If we endure, it says, we will also reign with him. That carries with it a promise of future glory. And that is something we see clearly in the New Testament. There is a promise that this age, this present age that we are living in right now, will come to an end. And on one day, Jesus Christ will return and reign forever. Now we have seen that God is faithful to his word. We realize that God is faithful and so we can be sure that this will happen as well. But why hasn't it happened yet? This is a question that early Christians found themselves struggling with too. Oh, they believed in Jesus Christ and though there were lots of questions about who he was, and what he came to do, the glory of his works, and 
how he and God relate or were one. A few things were quite clear about Jesus. One of them was he will return. It is what Jesus himself said in his ministry on earth and it is what his apostles preached. Jesus will return. But time passed and it seemed to take rather long, longer than expected. If you're expecting Jesus Christ to return any day and suddenly there is a friend of yours, a Christian friend, who passes away, that brings up questions. What about that person who is not alive now? Will he or she be alive when Jesus comes back? These kinds of questions. And over time, false teachers started to come up in the church as well, without the church and within the church, saying, you know what? It's not going to happen at all. So from the Apostle Paul, we, we must now move to the Apostle Peter. In 2 Peter, the Apostle takes these teachings and these questions head on. So we will read from 2 Peter chapter 3. And to these teachings and the questions about God's promise and about Jesus' return, Peter's response is to remind us that God is patient. Let's read from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Peter underscores the promise of God and points out it's a very strange idea to think that God is being slow about it. And then there's this phrase about God and time, which is a bit mysterious. With the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. We need to keep in mind that we are bound to time and God isn't. There's a very different perspective that we have on time than God's. You see, people see time in a progression of yesterday, today and tomorrow. We can look a bit further back in our memories and in our history and we can try to look ahead and prepare ourselves for what's going to come, but we're not even sure whether we will be around. Not so with God. Not so with God at all. Now there's a little time to expand on what it means that God is not bound to time like we are. There's all sorts of glorious realities and implications in that, but quite frankly, 
I probably wouldn't be able to teach you about it very well because I'm just beginning to learn about it and struggling to grasp even a bit of it. But about how radically different God sees time compared to us, here's something that might help. This is a quote from Michael Green in his commentary on 2 Peter. God sees time with a perspective we lack. Even the delay of a thousand years may well seem like a day against the backcloth of eternity. Furthermore, God sees time with an intensity we lack. One day with the Lord is like a thousand years. Now think again about the promise of Jesus' return. While time passes by until the promise is fulfilled, God is not being slow to fulfill his, his promise. He's not being lazy or fallen behind schedule. He's not procrastinating either. That's something that students do. <laughs> God is patient, and Peter reminds us why God is patient toward us toward you and me because he does not wish for anyone to perish he is giving every opportunity for everyone to repent but again that's not just for those who don't know Jesus Christ yet and need to become his followers no no this is a word for everyone it's a word for everyone here today whether you are listening to it now or watching this later, wherever you're listening from. It doesn't end with repentance. Let's read on in 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 11. Ah, there it is again. God is patient towards us because he does not wish that any should perish. Let's read on. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Brothers and sisters, we are born again into a whole new life. There is a promise of a new earth that is coming. A new earth in which righteousness dwells, where there will be no place for injustice or abuse or disarray. And we know there's a lot of that in the world right now. Some of, the, some of us know it all too well. And probably better than me in the safety of my uni campus. But whatever your situation is, if you were looking forward to that day when Jesus comes back and God will make all things new let me say it again God is faithful we can be confident that his promise will be fulfilled because God keeps his promises
But while we wait and rest in his assurance, we shouldn't be getting too comfy. Here is a very direct and personal question in this text. And it is a question to you and to me and to all of us, Christ first. In light of God's promise, his faithfulness and his patience, what sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness? What sort of person ought you to be? What sort of single person? What sort of spouse? What sort of parent ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? What sort of colleague? What sort of classmate? What sort of friend and fellow believer ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness in the church? The Holy Spirit, whom we receive and who lives within us, will always stir us to grow in holiness. Think about this honestly. Will we allow ourselves to be stirred by Him? Will we allow Scripture to challenge us, convict us even? There is a lot of comfort that can be found in these pages, and it's God's gift. But it doesn't always leave us comfortable. Like the Apostle Peter writes, let's be diligent to be found by him on that day when he returns, without spot or blemish. And let's count the patience of our Lord as salvation, because it gives us all the more time to be diligent about it. I'm going to be drawing this to a close soon. And we will be able to go into breakout rooms on Zoom. There are two breakout rooms today, if I'm correct, one for the women and one for the men. There's a chat function at the bottom of your screen. You can type in this chat box and you will be brought into a breakout room. You can type prayer room for the women and prayer room two for the men's breakout room. Now if this good news of the gospel is new to you, remember that God is abounding in faithfulness and steadfast love. And he is patient precisely because he wants you to be included in the new covenant.